the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. The question that is being asked a whole lot these days is, Jesus Christ returning soon? Listen to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 13, verse 32 and 33. But of that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. We are to say, take heed, watch and pray. So that's what we're doing in 2023. We are looking for his return and we want to be ready. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane. And if you have an opportunity, if you can, get your Bible and follow along as we study the book of Mark. We'll get through a verse chapter 13 quickly and go into 14. And we're coming up on the last days of Jesus' time here upon earth. Alex, uh, I'm looking forward to it, but I wanted to let you know how much I enjoyed being with you and some other guys in Paris, Tennessee. Wow. Well, thanks very much. And we are in Mark 13 today, and this is another week of Exploring the Word. And Bert and I are so honored that you're with us. But Bert, uh, I want to give God all the glory for the past weekend that we all enjoyed. You, Jan, Angie, me, Abe Hamilton III, Will and Mickey Addison, and uh, Carrie Vaughn of Love Worth Finding out of Memphis, Tennessee, the great ministry of Adrian Rogers, and then, of course, Carl Kirby from Cincinnati uh, speaking to youth about creation versus evolution. But uh, this, Bert, as you know, folks, uh, it was our Truth for New Generation conference that we held in Paris, Tennessee, and we've been working on this since, you know, probably about late October last year, and we had people from 10 or 11 states. I want to say a big thank you to the people that drove from Illinois, people that drove from Texas, people that drove from Kentucky, uh, all over Mississippi, people that drove from the Carolinas, uh, had uh, one from Richmond, Virginia. But we just had a great weekend drilling down deeply into biblical worldview, talking about defending the Christian faith, and Bert, you preached on a couple of just amazing messages and preached yesterday morning, and we had people accept Christ. And the, the final session yesterday had four people come to Christ and get saved, and on and on I could go. But special thanks to Steve Gallimore, Carlton Gerald, all the great folks at Tennessee Valley Community Church. I want to say a, also a big thank you to the Henry County Tourism Bureau that promoted the event for us. And Bert... Uh, we need revival and things like this past weekend of Truth for New Generation to get the body of Christ excited. I mean, that's something we just feel so privileged to do, isn't it? We really do, and I always enjoy being with you and with those others. But also, I want to say a word about the music. It was wonderful. Uh, the bird songs. Yes, they did a fantastic job worshiping, leading in worship, and me joining in. I did that, and I praise God for it. But again, if you do another Truth for Ju- a New Generation, I want all the people who are listening, if it's where you can go, you will be equipped and be able to, to answer some of those issues that come up in our day. A wonderful job. Truth matters. I remember what I said. If truth matters, that means Jesus matters because Amen. he is the truth. And so, Alex, again, great job, and thanks to Tennessee Valley Community Church as well. Well, and and two more quick thoughts. It was so encouraging to see the many teenagers. Bert, I even talked to a young man. I'm not going to give his name on national radio, but uh, a sixth grader who already knows that he's called to preach the gospel. Then I was talking to some 11th and 12th graders that high schoolers, and they are not woke. <laughs> they they <laughs> they are love, awakened. They they're are awakened, awakened by the Spirit of God. Amen. And and imagine teenagers that love the Lord and they love America and they want to be equipped. And then finally, I got to say this in the strongest possible terms, how much I love and appreciate the American Family Radio Network. And Tim Wildman allows me to promote these things all across the country. We couldn't afford to do all this advertising. And so... Uh, 
the Addisons, Abe Hamilton, yourself, uh, the great crew of Exploring the Word. And Bert, doesn't it touch your heart? All the people that come and they just uh, profusely talk about how Exploring the Word has changed their life. And we, we totally give God the praise. We do. And I heard this several times at a strategic time in someone's life that was struggling the death of a loved one, a job loss, uh, illness that came in, and how exploring the Word uh, just fit and helped them so much. And so yeah. uh, I, I just want to say this is what we do. We say it's a, the nation's, one of, if not the largest, one of the nation's largest Bible studies, and that's what we want to treat it like. We're here having a discussion, you and I, and then people call in. It's like you just say, raise your hand and ask your question, but in place of raising your hand, you got to call in, and then yeah. some people have prayer requests, and we take those seriously, and we ask folks to write their names down, and, and I have people that have come up and said, man, I wrote their names down, Bert, and I'm still praying for them. So a lot of you who have called in, you still have people praying for you. And so, Alex, praise God, brother. Well, amen. And you know something, um, and we are going to get in Mark 13, but we do in the events that we have, we always do a couple of sessions of Q&A, and people want to know, you know, it is unscripted. <laughs> and you and I were up there on the stage with Carl Kirby and Carrie Vaughn of Love Worth Finding, uh, and I always kind of say this, I'll say, folks, if you've ever wanted to raise your hand during a sermon, <laughs> well, now's your chance. But Bert, I want to brag on you, brother. You continually amaze me with your wisdom, and not only your extensive knowledge of the Bible, uh, the Word of God, but just your wisdom and pastoral skills. And folks, you ought to see Bert Harper up there, completely extemporaneous, giving just timeless wisdom to people with these questions. And brother, I'm I'm just honored to be on the microphone beside you, Bert. <laughs> well, thank you, Alex. And I, I after pastoring 40 years, being in ministry, 50 years total, uh, a lot of those questions I've had asked me before. And so that helps. But I want to tell you, having you there with your how well read you are and how you can retain what you read uh, is I, I want to just say this for Bert Harper. It sure is a good knowledge knowing Alex McFarland's on stage with you. And so, again, I know this sounds like mutual admiration, uh, but it is. It's real. I'm not faking it. I'm not just saying it. How much I appreciate you, brother, is more than I can tell. Thank God that when he brought me to to AFR and you were here and Marvin Sanders had to step aside and then he had gone to build the Lord, that God, you know, it says, you know, Esther came to the kingdom for such a time as this. I feel like I came to AFR for such a time as this. And uh, God has blessed. So let's the lord let, is good let's let's praise him and let's dig into the word what do you think here when jesus said uh do you think he's overstating the fact that no one knows when he's coming back <laughs> no that's true that's folks um every now and then it seems maybe about once every 10 or 20 years somebody will come along and set a date for the lord's return bert do you recall in the fall of 1988 and i'm not gonna give the name or the book but there was a gentleman and he believed that he had uh, calculated, uh, and I remember it well, and I had only been saved about two and a half, three years, and I remember reading, and he says, no man knows the day or the hour, and I thought, wow, in the, in the outside chance that this gentleman did guess it accurately, I think the Lord would have changed it probably because, <laughs> it, you know, yeah. w- we might look at the season or the, the general environment of the world but the, the knowledge, the moment of Christ's return is known only to God. And that's what it says. And again, uh, 88 Reasons, he, the, another you, one. You remembered it. I've got the book. And uh, guess what came out the next year? I 80, don't know. 89 Reasons. You know what the 89th <laughs> reason was? He didn't come well, back in 88. So he yeah, could have right. kept the sequel and had it right if he'd keep it up. <laughs> yeah. I hope you but, get the humor there. But no man knows the time. That's the whole thing. But verse 33 says, take heed, watch and pray. So this means we're to be active while we're waiting, aren't we? Well, that that is true. And do you know, one of the things about Christendom in all of its uh, denominations and variants, shall we say, 
all Christians, true Christians, have agreed throughout the centuries that Christ is coming back. And, and by that, the Word of God is clear, literally, absolutely, one day Jesus will come back. In Acts chapter 1, the angels told those disciples, you know, why do you gaze in the heavens? This same Jesus will return in like manner as you have seen him, seen him go. Verse 34 says, For the Son of Man is like a man taking a far journey who left his house, gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at evening, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Now, Mark thirteen thirty seven. if ever there were a timeless verse applicable to every generation of believers, Jesus said what, what he was saying to those first century disciples to us in 2023, watch. Amen. Notice that word is used three times in the last part of this, of this chapter. In verse 33, watch. Verse 35, watch. Verse 37, the last word, watch. And so, Alex, we are to be ready for his coming. Take heed, be ready, wait patiently for him, and then be active in doing what you're supposed to do. It's not watch and do nothing. It's watch and work. And uh, do you remember that old, old hymn? And I know I don't I haven't heard it sung in ages. We'll work. Till Jesus comes. I love that song. And, and I mean, somebody needs to go back. You know, they take some of these old songs and put some little bit new phrases in, a bridge somewhere, and put a little bit different beat to it. That might be one that somebody out there who's musically inclined could look at and, and bring it back. Uh, listen, he is coming back. And until he comes, we need to be about the work of God, don't we? Well, we really do. I, I love... You know, there was, we'll work till Jesus comes, then we'll be gathered home. Amen. You know, um, we North Carolinians are pretty proud of one of our, uh, you know, favorite sons, Doc Watson, the great bluegrass gospel picker. Do you remember Doc Watson? I remember he, his name, yes, and do that. I yeah. would go see him in concert, and he would always do that. And uh, so we, we want to watch and be faithful. Well, chapter 14 like a perfect dialogue in a story it changes scenes and when we come back we're going to get into what chapter 14 says and it says after two days okay there was a little brief but they're waiting they're watching not for his return but it says that they might take him and put him to death we'll be Hmm. back with more right after this break this is pause to pray A chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Nevada Governor Joe Lombardo. He is the state's 31st governor and a former county sheriff. James 1.12 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Right now with this in mind, let's pray. Dear God, we ask for guidance for Governor Joe Lombardo as he leads the people of Nevada. We ask this in Jesus' glorious name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says even in these relativistic days, there are still only two ways to look at the world, God's way and the wrong way. He'll talk about the difference as we spend two minutes with Tony. You hear people going around today talking about, well, this is my truth. This is what I think. This is how I feel. No, you don't get to believe apart from God. You don't have truth that disagrees with God because then you call God a liar. And you know how we feel when people call us a liar, don't you? How do you think God feels when folks tell you you're a liar because I believe this, God, even though you said that, and I'm going to go by what I believe, not what you said. Well, you just said, God, you're a liar. I know more than you. So guess what we have now? Chaos. Distress. That God allowed. Not because he's raining down viruses, 
but because we've dismissed him. And so it's opened the door for viruses and other things that bring about dismay and confusion and conflict and, yes, lack of peace. Well, that raises the question, doesn't it? Is there a solution? You know what God is wanting now? He's wanting a return to him from your life, with your family, with our churches, and with the government. He wants a return to him. He doesn't just want us using his name, doing an introductory prayer. No, he wants to set the agenda, call the shots, and have us adjust our plans to what he says should happen. That's what he wants, and a relationship with us as his people. Learn how to build your life on a bedrock of faith that hard times can't shake loose. Check out Tony's CD series, Clarity in a Crisis, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139, 23, and 24. American Family Radio. It's a new horizon, and I'm set on you. And you meet me here today with mercies that are new. Oh, yeah, my fears and doubts, they can all come to because they can't stay long when I believe. Exploring the Word is back. Welcome back. Another day, another week of Exploring the Word here on the American Family Radio Network. Bert Harper, Alex McFarland, so honored that you're listening. We're in Mark chapter 14. And, you know, in the Gospel of Mark, it is a, a short little book, you might say, 16 chapters. And so there's a lot of action that's going to take place just in 14, 15, 16. Hey, by the way, I'm going to give the number because we'll open up the phones and take questions and calls here in a few minutes. And the number, if you want to call in, write this down, 888-589-8840, we'll get your to your questions. You know, Bert, uh, sometimes in a movie, there'll be a scene that's very special and very dear, and then the scene will change to something kind of dark and uh, malicious. And that's really this transition. I mean, I was reading from Mark 13 to 14, and it is as good a drama as Shakespeare himself could have written. But 14 begins, after two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. You know, chapter 13 is just so lovely. Chapter 14 turns dark, doesn't it? It really does. And what you see is the hearts of these people. They've been building up to it. They've tried to trick him. They've tried to deceive him. And here they said, nothing will satisfy except his death. And that's going to come across when he's before Pilate, and Pilate wants to beat him and let him go, and they said, no, we want him dead. And so so even Pilate said, take your, you have permission to discipline him, to harm him. And he said, yeah, but we don't have, have the permission to kill him the way we want you to. So this mm-hmm. is very, very, I mean, dark and uh, listen, this is where they are. This is the mentality that they have. And these are, quote, religious folks. Now, Alex, mm. that is it. It shows you religion that is not true religion that the book of James talks about. True religion, it will lead to death, okay? Christ in Christianity leads to life. And so we want those of you who are listening today We want you to make sure you know Christ, not that you're a member of a certain church, not that you follow this guy, but that you are knowledgeable of your sin and you went to him saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I'm turning away from my sin, my way. I'm turning to you because you died on the cross for me. And I'm asking you to be Lord of my life as you forgive me of my sin. I'm ready to be with you now and forever. Alex, that's what these people needed, but that was the furthest thing from their minds, wasn't it? Well, exactly. And, Bert, think of the irony. Um, the, the Passover, 
was uh, a commemoration every year of when the death angel would come through, and God, in his mercy, said, put the blood on the doorpost, and death will pass over you. And one day there'll come the final lamb, the Son of God himself, and his blood will wash away sin. And what they're saying is, in 14, they're saying, look, we got to think of a way to get him killed, but not on the, not on the Passover day, because the people would uproar. But let me say, Jesus will die at Passover, because he's the Lamb of God. Uh, Mark 14, 2 is just such a, a an amazing irony, a tragic irony, Passover was all about the salvation of the human race, and they're turning it into a day of murder. Now, here's the thing, folks. The death angel came to judge Pharaoh and the Egyptians, but they were saying, uh, we're going to pervert the Passover day because we don't want the people to uproar. Um, When you don't accept God's deliverance and God's salvation, you become a part of the judgment of sin. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just... There is This is really deep here, but verse 3 says, And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he said at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on, on Jesus' head. Uh, this is a famous, famous scene, isn't it? And we're going to see something about Judas's true colors here, aren't we? We are, and we find this also repeated in Matthew 26, John 12. John 12 gives us a little bit more information. Uh, It was Mary. Martha was serving. Mary comes in and offers this as a sacrifice, and Jesus says over there that she was doing this in preparation for his death. And so Jesus took that opportunity, and here it says, look at it in in Mark, it says, uh, for it might have been sold for more. That's who they're saying. But in John, it gives us who it was. It was, it was, as you said, Judas's carrot. And John adds this. He didn't do it because he cared about the poor. He did it because he's the one that had the money, and he had been stealing from it again and again and again. This was taking money out of his pocket, Alex. Yeah. Yeah, and they said, you know, this money could have been uh, taken and given to the poor. They said it, you know, 300 pence, uh, and they murmured against her. Bert, um, let me say this is not going to be the last time that people actually doing the will of God get murmured against. (laughs) Uh, Jesus said in verse 6, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you will may do you may do them good but you you but me you have not always but verse 7 has always sort of tugged at my heart you know to worship Jesus to serve to and of course we know in that day that they couldn't just take a shower every single day like you you or I you know we have plenty of water to wash our feet to bathe and so to put perfumed ointment on somebody's hair like this uh, you know in a you know a dusty area i mean this was a real act of honor and i don't know bird it always kind of made me sad that jesus had to defend somebody doing something kind for him the savior that is a good point alex but he does and he still will when we do that which is right when we uh make much of jesus christ The world may mock us. The world might murmur, as you said, against us. But God in heaven is saying, well done. Uh, I don't think necessarily, I know we want God to say well done at the end of our lives, but I really believe that God is up there noticing us even during these times and is saying well done. And that's what he, and I'm, I'm using my vernacular, using what he said elsewhere. But I, again, Alex, yes, he does defend her. And, and the other people, oh, hey, they're, you know, you're talking about being dusty. They, they were left in the dust, okay, mm. using that yeah. vernacular. And she has done what she could. She Amen. has come beforehand to anoint my body with for burial. I love that line. She has done what she could. Alex, uh, that, we need to take that line out and put it into what where we are. Are we doing what we should and could? If not, we need to step up to the plate and get with it, don't we? 
You know, this might not be a great illustration, but many years ago as a young believer, I went to, I love plays. I love Christmas plays. I love Easter plays. And uh, Angie and I took the youth group to a church that had the most amazing Easter play, and they had made these big rocks out of like fiberglass or something. And I mean, it it was an Easter play with Calvary, the empty tomb, and it rivaled anything you could see on Broadway, and it was great. Well, about uh, two, three days later, we went to this church way out in the country, and they had an Easter play too, and the the tomb, basically the stone to get rolled away was like a round, cut-out piece of plywood, and it was two extremes, and yet the Spirit of the Lord moved mightily in each one. And I... You know, that fancy church uptown that spent a quarter million on their stage, they did what they could. And the little church way out in the country, that it was all volunteers and, frankly, pretty rudimentary, but they did what they could. And do do you know what? I mean, it's not equal outcomes, but maybe equal obedience and equal sacrifice. And I don't know. uh, Thank God for Billy Graham. You know, thank God for David Jeremiah. But thank God for, uh, you know, everybody doing what they could for the sake of the gospel. Am I reading it right? You are reading it right on. And your illustration is given well. Uh, I think it is. Speaking of that, you are talking about Billy Graham and, and, you know, David Jeremiah. That brings me to the idea. Jan and I will be hosting the Fishbowl Retreat in September. And uh, most of the time, it's pastors and wives that have come from smaller churches. We have those that come from larger churches sometime as well. But by and large, it's small churches where a Sunday school class or deacons or elders get together and they say, we want to send you there and we want you to refresh. And again, Alex, this is the whole idea. Where you're serving, where God has you serving, we're to be faithful there and do what you could, can with what you have. And, and I just want to tell you, God's the one. The Bible says he's the one that gives the increase anyway. And uh, so we're to be faithful. And here she did what she could, and it showed the burial of Christ. And then assuredly, I say to you in verse 9, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the whole world, <laughs> what this Amen. woman did will also be spoken of as a memorial to her. Amen. Did you remember the song, Broken and Spilled Out, Just for the Love of You, Jesus? It's a picture of this very act. And I remember the first time I ever heard that song, Broken and Spilled Out, Just for the Love of You, Jesus. That's exactly Mm. what she did. She broke that and spilled it out, poured it out, just because she loved the Lord Jesus Christ. She did what she could. Amen. And may God grant that each of us do what we can. And you think about that, folks. Everybody listening right now, how could you be serving the Lord and the gospel? Uh, I hope you're in church somewhere. Look, I don't I don't care where you live, East Coast, West Coast, anywhere in this world, there's a place for you in the local church. There honestly is. But verse 10 Alex, let me the, let me say yeah. a word right after you did that. I, I should have and I didn't. I, I We have a lot of folks, and I understand it, they— they, they've gotten aggravated at a church because they didn't do it right. I just want to tell you, you're missing out on being with a group, and you're also missing out on opportunities of ministry. I, I mean, churches that are going out, like here in northeast Mississippi, I was talking about someone this morning and about Amory, Mississippi, and as a month ago when that tornado went and just destroyed so much of that town, guess what? I found out, I was talking to people, and those churches down there, they're still going, and they're helping those peoples whose homes were destroyed. And and listen, that's what happens when God's people join together. They mm-hmm. encourage one another. They challenge one another. And so, Alex, what you just said is so important. Uh, if, if, you've, if you've been hurt in a church, and I understand hurt people, it happens. Don't, don't throw out the whole thing. Uh, look, go find someone, even if you go back to that and say, hey, I, I, I need to be a part of a church that's ministering. And so, mm-hmm. Alex, I, I just didn't know what to say, but what you said is well said, and I want to add that to it. Find that church, be a part of it, and minister as under the Lord. Amen. Being a part of a local church is so rewarding. I mean, it just is. It, and I'm not saying that because I'm, you know, in full-time ministry. 
it, it just is, and uh, maybe we'll talk further about that, but be in church. But verse uh, 10, Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priest to betray him unto them, and when they heard of it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought how he might conveniently betray him. I mean, look at the contrast. Um, to be glad about the entrapment and execution of the Son of God. And why? For money. Folks, there ought to be some things in your life that have no price and are not for sale. You know, um, a few years ago here in my home state of North Carolina, there was this transgender bathroom bill, and they wanted to pass a law to make it where um, men could go in women's bathrooms. Lord help us. And somebody said, uh, well, you know, ESPN and PayPal have threatened, if you make it where men have to go in the man's bathroom, if you pass a law that women and men are to use their respective restrooms, uh, PayPal and ESPN are going to leave the state of North Carolina. And I was interviewed by the Charlotte Observer. I said, well, you know, they need to know some things are not for sale, like our soul. Amen. And, And now, sadly, the left prevailed, and... Um, you know, moral boundaries were knocked down. But I want to say uh, Judas Iscariot uh, sold out the Son of God and his own salvation for what? Money. There are some things worth a whole lot more than money. Amen. Uh, namely, where we stand with Jesus Christ. Amen, brother. What a contrast this is. Lay Mary, and look what she did. She spent money. And here's to to praise him, to to prepare him for burial. And here's Judas receiving money to de- to sell him out. What a contrast that is! And so, listen, Mary. No wonder Jesus said, "What this woman has done is going to be spoken in the world for a, for for until I come back as a memorial to her." And what Judas's carry did, the opposite of that, stands in complete contrast, but it is remembered. Uh, do you know anything much? It's called Judas these days. I know a Judas goat, you know. That's the oh, goat wow. that gets the whole herd around or flock mm. and leads them into their destruction. And so, My listen, goodness. let's be a Mary praising God. Don't be a Judas and betray him. Mm. Well, folks, this is Exploring the Word with Bert and Alex. So honored that you're listening. We're going to come back after this brief break and take all of your questions. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Dr. Jessica Peck, host of the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, the home of happy parents and healthy teens on AFR.net. I serve as your expert guide to engage, equip, encourage, and empower you to navigate life's toughest issues with your teens. We explore health impacts and home strategies to create a safe space in an unsafe world. The Dr. Nurse Mama Show on AFR.net. God made his design for marriage absolutely clear. July 6th through the 8th at the Cadence Bank Arena and Conference Center in Tupelo, Mississippi, it's the Marriage Family Life Conference 2023. Strengthen your marriage and your family with Abraham Hamilton III, Dr. Kathy Cook, Miki Addison, and many more. The Youth Apologetics track is back as well. The Marriage Family Life Conference 2023, for his glory alone. Register today at marriagefamilylife.net. Here's Bert Harper on the AFA Fishbowl Retreat 2023. We are so determined to come alongside the church and to support pastors who share Christ with others, but also stand in the gap for righteousness. And Fishbowl will encourage that pastor to be that kind of a man. Bert and his wife Jan are hosting again this year with speakers Jeff and Debbie Shreve from Real Truth for Today. Every difficulty that comes into your life and my life, it's a test of faith. The stormy sea where Jesus is asleep in the boat, that's a test of their faith, and they didn't do very well. And so most of the time when we ask that question why, God's response is, my child, just trust me. The AFA Fishbowl Retreat 2023, September 26th through the 28th at the Riverbend Retreat Center in beautiful Glen Rose, Texas. Register at repairingthefoundations.net. 
repairingthefoundations.net or call 662-844-5036, extension 297. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. What are gates? They are defensive tools used to keep stuff out, to keep an advancing force at bay. Too often the enemy is successful in putting Christians on defense. When the facts are, the Lord established his church as an aggressive, offensive, territory-taking body. The Lord never meant for us to sit on the sidelines of life or to cower in the corner as a result of the wickedness in our culture. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. The light of the world cannot be contained. The Lord is building his church, and the manby-pamby gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. And the Salvation Army Band is playing this hymn. And your grace rings out so deep. It makes my resistance seem so thin. So hold me, Jesus, because I'm shaking like a leaf. You have been king of my glory. Won't you be my prince of peace? Welcome back to Exploring the Word. And we've got lines that are open. If you ever wanted to call in and you've never been able to, what a time and opportunity by dialing. Well, dialing. I guess it's pressing that button uh, <laughs> buttons now. But the number you want to call is uh, 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Uh, we would love to get these calls. We had some great questions up in Paris, Tennessee, didn't we, Alex? We really did. And, uh, you know, I was talking about how impressed I was with your pastoral knowledge. There was a question about, uh, you know, marriage and family. And uh, anyway, um, the Word of God has the answer. And when we give these answers, it's it's nothing of our own wi- wisdom. We strive to give God's truth and God's wisdom. And Bert, that's, that's the rock that we build our lives on. That's Amen. the rock that we wish our nation would be built on, would be God's truth. Everything else is sinking sand, and yes. uh, that's the old song, but it is. Well, let's go to the phone lines, and we're going to go to the state of North Carolina, your home state, Alex, and talk to Sharon. Sharon, welcome. Uh, thank you for taking my call. In Revelation um, chapter 20 and 21, uh, 20 is the millennial reign, and then in 21, the eternal kingdom. And that's where uh, God himself, you know, wipes away the tears and so forth. So during the millennial reign, those thousand years, will we still have the tears and uh, the pain and so forth then? And, and Okay. That's my question. Okay. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you for calling. Alex? Uh, in the book of Revelation, a lot of it's in chronological order, but it has some what I call intermittent information about it. And sometimes uh, uh, what you hear about wiping away the tears, it's it's could have been, uh, let me say, longer than just one moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the judgment seat, when it is and how long it will be and where all it will be. So those tears are wiped away. Uh, I, you know, they say no tears yeah. up in heaven. Well, there's no tears after he wipes them away. Isn't that right? Yeah, that, that's true. And the wiping away of every tear is in Revelation 21, verse 4. You know, you go back to Revelation 20, and, and of course you and I have had the privilege of teaching through the book of Revelation a couple of times over the last decade. But it talks about um, there were thrones and judgment, and then there was the the resurrection after the thousand years are finished, Revelation 20, 4, 5, and 6. Uh, So the tears of 21 verse 4, what are those tears? Uh, Well, maybe it's tears for squandered opportunities. Maybe it's remorse over... Uh, yes, we were saved, but we didn't do that much for getting our loved ones into the, to heaven, because it's at the end of the millennium. 
I don't know. There, there's no verse that specifically says there are tears in the millennium or not, but as the millennium is over and the new heavens and new earth are ushered in, just on the front doorstep of eternity, if, if you might say, there are some tears that he wipes away. Bert, maybe it's tears of joy. Maybe it's tears of uh, somebody I hoped would be in heaven and turns out they aren't. I don't know. But I know it will be joy forever with the Lamb and the redeemed of the Lamb. It will be joy forever, won't it? It really will. Thank you, Sharon. Let's go to Texas and talk to Julio. Julio, welcome. Hey, what's going on, fellas? Thanks for taking a phone call. You bet, uh, brother. Okay, two, yes, sir. I got two questions. Um, I used to be a Catholic, and I don't know, you know, we used to pray to a bunch of different things. I don't know if I should. I haven't really had conviction, but it's been on my mind. Should I reconcile with God about praying to those, you know, different people? I, I mean, to be honest, you know, I I, I I went through confirmation, and I don't remember much of learning anything, to be honest. But that being said, uh, my foundations be uh, pro-life was set in Catholicism, so I am grateful in that way. And Amen. Uh, I did have another question pertaining to Judas Iscariot. Why did Jesus really have him as a disciple if he knew that was going to happen? Is it to make a lesson out of, you know, the situation at hand? Or Anyways, those are my questions, guys. Well, let's take the first one last. The last shall be first. The first shall be last. Listen, Jesus, how many times is it said that prophecy might be fulfilled, Alex? That prophecy yeah. might be fulfilled. Was he a part of that plan? Judas. Yeah, you know, the Old Testament refers to the one that would lift up his heel against the Savior. Um, and so l- let me just say, I, I think we-, we could probably do a whole show on why God, because God knows everything. The word is omniscient. God is omniscient, and yet he knew Judas would be the betrayer. Uh, But Judas didn't have to. Let me just say this. God does not force anybody to do evil. And Judas didn't have to be Judas. He could have been a true follower. But um, I want to say this about your Catholic upbringing, how I praise God for the people. We met a number in Tennessee over the weekend. Um, Some people are raised in the Catholic Church, and they, they learn so much about Jesus, and then others don't. But one, I'll say this for the Catholic Church, they have stood for pro-life, pro-morality, the Trinity, uh, but in terms of praying to the saints, Bert, I really, and I want to say this with all humility, you don't find that in the Bible. In fact, the Bible says that our high priest, Jesus, um, we go directly to straight to our Savior, our high priest. And while I am not one to denigrate the Catholic Church at all, because there's so much. We know a lot of born-again Catholics that we are definitely brothers in arms. But at the same time, we pray straight to Jesus, don't we, Bert? We I did. Mean, that, that veil was rent in two, that we go straight to Christ. And Julio Flores, forgiveness, if you've asked Jesus to forgive you, you have. But here's what I found. Every so often, sometimes it's Satan, but sometimes it's just me remembering. And I, I here's what I do. I thank God for the forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness you gave me when I received you as Savior, even to that in the past. So, Julio, live in that forgiveness is, is what I'd suggest. Thank you for your great call, brother. Let's stay mm-hmm. in Texas and talk to Billy. Welcome, Billy. Hello, Brother Bert and Brother Allen. How y'all doing? Doing good, Welcome. Brother. Amen. I have a little small church down here in Turo, Texas. I want you guys to know that I listen to you guys every opportunity, and I thank God for you guys. A lot of times I'm praying, and you guys bring it right through the show. So, so I just want to amen. say thank you, amen, for the work that you guys are doing. Amen. You're doing a great job. Hey, Billy. You. Billy, you pastor? Yes, sir. Amen. I, I, I want to do something. Uh, I want to invite you to the Fishbowl Retreat. It's in Glen Rose, Texas, in September. And uh, September? yeah, yeah, there's a possibility of you and your wife coming. I'd love to talk with you about it. And uh, love pastors, and thank you for calling. Okay? Uh, yes, sir. Try to get yes, in sir. contact at word at AFR.net and ask for me, and we'll see what we can do. Okay, Billy? I certainly appreciate you guys. Thank okay, you. man. Thank you. Let's let's go to Tennessee and talk to Wayne. Welcome, Wayne. 
Hi. Yes, go ahead. So my question is, is being transgender a sin? My granddaughter, who's recently attended uh, a university, asked me this question, and I didn't know how to answer it. I couldn't quote any scripture. Uh, I could give her some thoughts. But I'd like to hear your thoughts about it. Okay. Thank you, Wayne. Listen, our, th- mm. this is why Truth for New Generation was so important that we that Alex had and, and got together, and we need to have more of them and get college students and high school students there to hear truth. Alex, he made us male and female. He made well, us male and female. He didn't make us choosing which we would be. He made us that way, did he not? Well, he he really did, and I want to read Deuteronomy twenty two five. Now listen to this, and and God is giving all of these various moral laws, and it says in Deuteronomy twenty two five, the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth to a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are an abomination to the Lord God. Give that reference one more time so everybody this can is, write it down. Okay. Uh, folks, Deuteronomy 22.5, a woman shall not wear a man's clothes, and a man shall not wear a woman's garment. It is an abomination unto the Lord. Folks, I'm going to say this. Transgenderism in the eyes of Almighty God is an abomination, abominable, sinful, abhorrent. Now, I want to say this. There are millions of people right now that are blind and deceived. Now, It's one thing to be ignorant of truth, but it's another thing to reject truth. And, folks, it's a long story. Um, Bert, I remember 25 years ago at Liberty University when I was in my master's program uh, in developmental psychology, and we had a professor from UCLA Medical School. And I don't know if they would even have a faculty member like this today, but 25 years ago, a professor from UCLA was telling us that the breakdown of the family, where little boys aren't under a masculine daddy and little girls aren't under a feminine mom, uh, there would be homosexual ideation, same-sex attraction, even all sorts of sexual deviancy, and we're seeing it. And so transgenderism is one of the many unfortunate results of the breakdown of the family paralleled by our loss of morality paralleled by the militant secularization of education so i understand there there are generations that are ignorant of what truth is but to the caller's question uh yes transgenderism is a sin it's a sin there's no way around it now any sinner can be saved uh, anybody can be cleansed and made new, but Bert, uh, as I read Scripture, we've got to turn from sin to Christ. Not stay in our sin, turn from our sin. Wayne, I hope you're still listening. Get online and get in his image. This is a documentary, well done, first class all the way about those things, transgenderism, homosexuality, and you'll hear some testimonies of of people that were in those sins and God delivered them and uh, it also sets it up why they went in that direction there's usually something Alex has given you to there's usually something that would cause them to go in that direction and uh, so uh, uh, that in his image Wayne I hope you can find it and get that let's go to Louisiana and talk to Langston welcome Langston Yes, sir. Brother Bert and Brother Alex, uh, how y'all today? Doing great, Good. brother. Good to hear from you. Well, I had a question about Mary Magdalene and Mary of Bethany, but I believe I'm going to put that on hold. I, I will say that Mary Magdalene, she was a prostitute, and she uh, Jesus um, uh, prayed and seven demons come out of her. And, and to kind of go on your former call there, uh, she followed Jesus for the rest of his life. You know, she Amen. come out of that sin. Amen. And uh, but I want to give you a short. I want to give you a short uh, testimony there. My granddaughter, fifteen. Uh, she's 
she had like a birthmark on her back, a, a mold, and I'd called LSU Medical Center in Alexandria, Louisiana, and the lady told me, said, uh, Mr. Bass, we can't see your granddaughter for six months. So I just, I'm 70 year old, and I said this, uh, I said, my God can move mountains. That's all I said, my God can move mountains. <laughs> I never used that term before, but anyway, she said, give me a number, and I'm going to call you back. So later that same day at 2 o'clock, she called me back, and she said, Mr. Bass, can you have your granddaughter over here tomorrow at 3.30? <laughs> Amen. 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 <laughs> He does but, move okay. mountains. Since I got a little, yeah. Since I got a little time, uh, what about this? Uh, certain commentaries say that Mary Magdalene was the person that uh, rubbed uh, the expensive ointment, the expensive perfume on Jesus's hair. I mean, Jesus's feet. And uh, but other commentaries, other parts of the Bible say it was uh, Mary of Bethany that he came to the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and that Mary rubbed the ointment on him. What, what thoughts have y'all got? Different people say Mary Magdalene. Different people say Mary of Bethany. Okay, great. Alex, uh, we have, he was in Bethany. Uh, Martha serving him sure did seem like Mary of Bethany. That That's my thoughts. What, do you have a different one? Mary Magdalene, his feet was, you know, so what do you say? Well, do you know what? Uh, for the first 500 years of Christianity, it was understood that Mary of Bethany and Mary Magdalene were two different people. And without going into a lot of the church history, in 591, the, there was a sermon preached where um, Pope Gregory thought they were the same person. But I really believe, you know, there are there are three Marys uh, in the Bible, and uh Mary, mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and Mary of Bethany, you know. So I, I don't think they're the same person, uh, but that's something that people have speculated about, not all of church history, but for about 1,500 years. And and John chapter 12, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, uh, okay, and it says there they made him supper, Martha served him. But Lazarus, one of those who sat at the table with him, then Mary took a pound of very costly ointment. Uh, again, uh, it was Mary. <laughs> mm, yeah. Uh, we may find out. That may be one of those things when we get to heaven. Uh, Alex is going to be neat. Either it will know it or it won't be yeah. as important as we thought it was or he'll give us an answer. It's pretty neat. Exactly. Heaven's worth going to, isn't it? Amen. We're going to have a lot of questions answered, but... Folks, the most important question in all of life, have I accepted Christ as my Savior? We hope you've done that. And if you haven't, you can do it today. Jesus is as close by as a prayer. Well, we're going to come back tomorrow with more of Mark chapter 14. And so we hope you'll tell somebody about exploring the Word. Hope you'll tune in. But most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.